You're listening to the Marathon Church Podcast. We exist to build communities that love Jesus, love people, and live on purpose. To learn more about Marathon Church, visit MarathonChurch.org. We hope that this encourages you and builds your faith. Enjoy this week's message. Good morning. Good to see you today. My name is Brian Cox. I can speak for myself and like the video. You know what I mean? Never mind. But uh, I am so glad to be with you today. I am the executive pastor here, if you don't know. And I've been gone away for a few weeks helping at the Greenville campus. And it's been amazing what's, hap- what's happening over there. I want to say hey to the online campus right now before we get started. Let's just say hey to them. And I heard it went great at Greenville this morning. I missed you guys. I'm so glad God is doing so many great things in that community. So be praying for them. But yeah, we are continuing our series today, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. We're going to wrap it up today. And uh, it's, an, it's a wonderful thing to get to do this today, to talk about the love of God and what he's going to do in your life. Last service was amazing. It was for me. And I'm praying today it will be for you, that God will open up your mind and your heart to hear. But let's, let's just... Uh, look at what this series is about, the big picture, I guess, the big idea, okay? Good questions lead to good decisions. That's what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. We've went through many questions, and what we do, we find the right questions, and we ask the question first, okay? And then we answer honestly, which is very difficult for a lot of us to answer honestly, and then we act upon it. And see, I wish I'd have had this wisdom Back when I was younger, uh, I want to tell you a story about one of my regrets. Uh, anybody got any regrets out there? If you don't, way to go. You made it. You know, that's not, we all have them. And I love telling this story. And it was back in 1980-something. I love to say it that way. My kids think it's from the History Channel. Well, I'm not that old, Okay. But I remember it, and uh, back in those days, I was younger, okay, and not as wise. I think I'm a little wiser now, I hope. And, and I remember driving to work, and I had a white RX-7 Mazda. Anybody know what that is? None of you kids do. You can't find them anymore. If you do, they're worth something. Uh, but I had that, and I loved the car, I guess. Uh, and I drove into work, and my friend Tim, if you're watching Tim, I know you're out there, uh, had this amazing car. It was a blue Camaro, okay? And we used to love that. we just go cruising in that thing all the time. And I, I pulled up in the parking lot, and I saw that car. I said, it's time for me to upgrade. I need a new car. You ever, you ever done that? You see some, somebody else's car, and it's like, I need a new one. I feel like God is telling me to buy a new car. I just feel it. Yes, I hear you, God. Buy a new car. So I go home. I'm all excited. I think I'm going to do it. I'm working at Ingalls now in Powdersville. I'm making a killing, $150 a week. In those days, that was a lot of money. That sounds like I'm old, don't it? <laughs> Way back then, and... I'm like, I can afford it. I can afford a new car. So I go home. I say, Mom, I, I got this great idea. You know, I'm going to buy a new car. And I was expecting Mom to be really excited about it. 
She's like, are you crazy? That's a stupid idea. I'm like, why? What? Wait a minute. Hold on. She's like, you can't afford a car. I said, yeah, I can. I'm making a lot of money. She's like, well, who's going to pay for the insurance? I'm like, never thought about that. I guess you are. She says, no, no. If you get a new car, you're on your own. Okay? You're going to have to pay for it. I'm like, well, fine. Mm. I get an attitude. You know, mama's always right. That's what I heard. I will find out later she was. And so I go to the dealership, and uh, I'm not dogging any of you car dealers out there. I have many good friends that sell cars. You are wonderful people. You're amazing people. Okay? It's not about you. And I walk into the dealership, okay, and I see it on this rotating platform. And the sun's shining in the windows, and it just just sparkle every time it would turn. And then I hear the angels sing, hallelujah, buy this car. You know, I'm like, this is providential. This is what God wants me to do. This is going to happen. And this is what I saw. Beautiful Honda Prelude, four-wheel steering, man, all the features. Big cassette deck. Don't know what that is? Okay. I think it's before CDs. I don't know. But it was was an amazing car. I loved it. I wanted it so bad that I didn't even think about it. It was going to happen. You know what I'm talking about? The car salesman saw me. He looked at me. He goes, sucker, come on over here. Because he knew I was ready to buy, and I was going to buy. Nothing's going to stop me. So I go in, I sit down, and uh, fill out the credit report. And, you know, I had no credit because I had nothing. So it was an easy decision. (laughs) So I filled it out, and he said, that's going to be $384.62. I said, that don't sound too bad. That's a month. Yeah, a month for the rest of your life. For 60 payment or 60 months, five years of my life, I didn't even think about it. I got that. Because, you know, I'm 20 years old, I guess, something right in there somewhere. And I'm, five years isn't nothing, right? That's a long time, actually, for us when we're young. Nothing now. And so I'm like, great, I got it. I don't care. I can afford that. I'm making $150 a week, you know. So I buy the car. I, start, I drive it off the lot. Brenda, my girlfriend, and, well, I should clarify, she's my wife now. She was my girlfriend then, okay? I'm going to blame her about I'm going to blame her for me getting this car because I bought it for her so she could ride around with me. And I remember driving around that thing, and it was so beautiful, and I was so cool, and I was so bad, you know? And I was that way for like three or four months, five or six months, and that bill kept coming in. That bill kept coming in. I'm like, God, when is this going to end? Mama said, about 40 months. And I realized something. I never asked the right question. Can I afford this? (laughs) I asked, do I want to be cool? And I made a decision without thinking. And it's one of my regrets, but I think what's cool about this for me and for God is that sometimes God takes those moments that we're, we're pretty stupid, and I, I don't know if I can say that in church, but you know what I mean, that we shouldn't have done a certain thing, but God will take that and will give us wisdom. So now I feel like I know better, okay? 
I've learned a lesson. And we all have those regrets. You have those today. Maybe you've said something you shouldn't have said to somebody this morning. I did that already this week. I'm talking about love, and I've already broken the rule and lost my cool. You probably lost your cool on the way to church today. How many people would you call idiots in the car today? Be honest. Come on. You all did it. If you've been on Woodruff Road this week, you probably didn't say idiot. You probably said something else. But we all have things we, sh- we regret saying, regret doing. It's our nature. It's who we are. Since the fall of man, it's, all been, it's always been about us. Did you know there one out of three pictures taken in the world are selfies? And there's 93 million selfies taken a day. You think it's about us? It's all about us. So it makes it very hard to make decisions because we don't ask ask the right questions. But before we get to our fifth question, which I think is the most powerful question we can ask ourselves today, it's, it's, it's an amazing question that will liberate you and challenge you like never before. Before we do that, though, let's just review some of our questions through the series. The integrity question, am I being honest with myself? If I was honest, I wouldn't have bought that car. Okay? Am I being honest with myself, really? Are you, real, are you really stopping and thinking about the decision you're about to make? I find it's very easy for me to tell you how to live, but very hard for me to lead myself. You know, the hardest person to lead is the person in the mirror, right? We have to, we have to be honest about where we are in your life right now. Think about it. Real, think about where are you in your life? Maybe you're about to go to college. Maybe you're about to get married. Maybe you're about to get another job. Maybe you're about to date something or someone. I should say someone. <laughs> what decision you're about to make? Be honest about it. Okay? Second question, the legacy question. What story do you want to tell? What story do you want to tell? Do you want to be the hero or the villain in your story? Do you want to be the one known as the one who's lost control or one that has self-control? That's a hard one. Think about your decisions today. Like I said, be honest. Think about it. What story do you want to tell? Third question, the conscious question, is there tension that deserves my attention? When I went to buy the car, my mom gave me tension, but I didn't pay attention because I had already made my decision. But sometimes there's things in your life, decisions you're about to make, that you need to really pay attention to the tension. Is there something that's really not right? Should I take that job? Should I call him or her back? Should I go to that school? Pay attention to the tension. Fourth question, the maturity question. What is the wise thing to do? Chase talked about this last week. A lot of us base our decisions on the wrong standard of wisdom. We tend to look at the world for wisdom. We go on TikTok. How many have been on TikTok this morning? Mm-hmm. You're not raising your hand, but you have. I know you have. Facebook, 
First thing you did this morning was get on Facebook, didn't you? Instagram? Did you learn anything? Did you learn how to be a better person? I'm not saying those things can't be used for good. I'm not saying that. But we tend to base our decisions off of faulty standards. The standard that matters is the standard that Jesus gave us. What the Bible tells us and how to live. There's great advice there that we need to heed and not listen to the world's standards. So what is the wise thing to do? Decide to be wise, okay? Now, it brings us to our fifth question, the relationship question. Okay, here we are. This is a very difficult question because it's, it's so terrifying because it's so clarifying, okay? This question you will not want to answer. You will not want to ask it. You will ignore it. You will run from it. You don't want anything to do with the relationship question. It's so hard to do. I know from experience that I don't want to ask this question. But I owe it to myself, and you owe it to yourself to know the answer. I'll tell you why. Because this question is the most powerful question out of all of them. This question has the power to make you a better person. It has the power to make the people around you better. It has the power to change the world and make the world a better place. It can take what was unforgivable and bring grace and forgiveness. It can take what was once hated and bring love. It can take what was divided and unite it. This question, when answered correctly, will change your life. It will. We're looking for an answer in this world all the time. This is your answer. And Jesus tells us very clearly what we need to be doing. And so, I'm going to let him speak to you today. I'm going to take the words of Jesus, and we're going to apply them to your life and to this world. And we're going to see how we stand up to that, how we're living that, what it looks like. So, let me set the scene for you, okay? You ready? Say yes. You ready online? I heard you. Okay. Jesus was at the end of his ministry. He had been teaching and preaching for the last three years and some months. And then came the Passover week. He comes into town, and people are celebrating him. They're so glad to see him. They thought this man was going to change the world, and he would, but not the way they thought. It was a more of a political thing for them. They thought he would come in, get rid of the Romans, and set up his own kingdom. That's not what Jesus had in mind. So, that very night, and what's really cool is that in John, chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, talk about this very night. One night, around one table, with one meal. And so they get together in the upper rooms, what they called it, in Jerusalem, with his closest friends and his disciples were there. And they set out a table they're about to eat. And Jesus does something that they didn't expect. He gets up 
and demonstrates his love for them one at a time. He washes their feet one at a time. This is how you love. This is how you love. He even washed Judas, the man that would betray him. He even showed love to him. And Jesus comes and he sits back down. He said, Judas, go do what you need to do. And that moment, Judas got up, the Bible said, so he got up and left. And when he did that, triggered right there, right there, what would happen for you and what would happen for me? It put in motion the rescue plan that God had for you and had for me. And Jesus had said this all along, I'm leaving one day. I'm going to have to give my life. This is what's going to happen. And where you go, you, where I go, you cannot go yet. But soon I will bring you with me. That's what he told the disciples. I can imagine how frightened they were of losing him. And so Jesus begins to tell them his last will and testament. And these are the words I'm going to tell you today. These are the words I'm telling you that will change your life if you will listen to them. And most of you, if you've been in church all your life, you've heard them before. You just let them, oh, yeah, I know that. Mm-hmm. Yep, we need to do that. Yep, I got it. But I don't think we quite understand it, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute. Here's what he said. A new command I give you, love one another. This wasn't just another command. This encompasses all commands. This is, see, we always seem to want something deeper when you come to church, right? You come and you hope I'm going to give you some great Hebrew or Greek or maybe, you know, something you've never heard before in your life and you come in here desiring that. That's okay. We want deeper because we've never seen a man beaten to death. We've never seen a man beaten and flogged to the point of near death, and the soldier knows when to stop because he knows he don't want him to die. He wants to inflict as much pain as possible. You see, John, Matthew, those guys, they saw it. They saw it firsthand. They saw the love of Christ lived in front of them. We have not seen that. So this verse doesn't mean as much to us because we don't know what love really means. We tend to, I mean, see, he said, love, a new command I give you. Why would he make it a command or a rule? We think love is like this, okay? Let me help you. We think love is a feeling. We, th we think that, you know, it, all of a sudden it happens. It's Valentine's week coming up, right? We think it's about kisses and chocolate. You know, but it's not. It's not a feeling. Jesus didn't ask us to feel something. He asked us to do something. And that's what we got to understand. It's not a feeling. It's something we do. Now, he went on to say how we do that. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus sets the standard for love, okay? Our standards, like I said, is how many hugs or kisses. Okay, I heard this the other day. You know, the longest love letter in the world, written by a man named Marcel Delalucleur. I said that right. 
in Paris, 1875. 1,875,000 times. You say, oh, that's romantic. That's great. But don't get too fired up. His secretary actually did it for him. And then, what do you think the longest kiss is? Anybody want to know? Of course you do. Okay, a couple in London, July 5th, 2011, 31 minutes, excuse me, 31 hours and 30 minutes. That sounds pretty gross, don't it? You get a mint in that. You know, I'm thinking, that's crazy. But we measure our love. That's our standard. Jesus' standard is much different. His standard was sacrificial love. It was a love that he gave his life for. He said, no greater love than a man has than he lay down his life for a friend or his enemy. He said, that's the standard of love that you need to understand. So he commands us to love. This is how we do it, like he has loved. Then he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, if you look at that word, it's the uh, pronoun, what they call a demonstrative pronoun, it means this specific thing. This one thing that you do will show the love to the world. John wrote this later. He would say, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. What he's saying is, no one has seen God. You know how people are going to see God? If you're a Christian, you're in church today. How are people going to see God? By the love we have for one another. He's saying God is invisible. He's almost given the world the permission to judge the church. How are we doing, church? Are we loving? Are we fighting? I'll be honest with you, I see more fights than I see love. I see more gripes about, you know, carpet and lights and music and paint. Got real quiet. Are we loving like Jesus? See, that's what the world needs to see. The world needs to see us loving one another or they won't find God. It's very important that we understand this. In fact, John, in his later years, John that wrote John in 1 John, he was there that night with Jesus. And he was a pastor of a church in Ephesus. And he preached there for years, and they, he got so old he couldn't walk, so they carried him to the church, and he would speak. And then he got older and older to where he couldn't even speak anymore. He could only say one thing. So they'd take him, and he'd say, little children, love one another. So, that was it. Wouldn't y'all like that this morning if you came in and all I did was say, little children, love one another. Thank you. Y'all have a great week. Y'all be last great, Brian. It's the shortest sermon ever. You'd love it. But what, he, they kept doing that. They kept taking him. He kept saying that. And one of his disciples said, why, John, do you keep saying that? And John says, because Jesus commanded us. He said, little children, love one another. And if you do this, it's enough. If we do this, it's enough. See, how do we show we love others? Maybe you have a bumper sticker on your car. Anybody got bumper stickers that says, I love Jesus? Honk if you love Jesus. 
Probably not. I love bumper stickers, but you better obey the traffic laws, okay? And don't put your hand up. Don't give the sign. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yes, you do. Or maybe I've heard this too. You know, I, I love the Bible, and I study the Bible, and I can quote every scripture, and I can, my vast knowledge of Hebrew and Greek, oh, I could tell you so much, Brian. You want to know something? Hope this doesn't offend you. Nobody cares. Nobody cares how much you know. Sorry. Nobody cares how much you know unless you show. If you know the Bible but you can't love your neighbor, what good are you? That's what Jesus said. He said, I, I, Jesus was on the cross and they were yelling and spitting at him. You know, I would have said, God, get them. Come get them. Jesus said, God, forgive them. That's the kind of love I have a hard time adjusting to. And if you are too, then you understand what I'm saying to you, that what I'm asking is not easy. The question is not easy. We're about to ask. But it can change the world, and it can change you. If you're willing to go there, okay? In other words, we could say it. Jesus' followers should demonstrate their devotion to God by putting the person Next to them, tap the person next to them. Do it like this. Next to them. You know, if you ain't got nobody, just pin. Putting them in front of them instead. That we, when we leave this building, if we could think about others, if we could love others the way Jesus is talk, talking, what it would do for this world. If we could just get this one thing it would be enough. Here's your question, your fifth question. What does love require of me? What does love require of you right now in your circumstance, this decision you're about to make? What does love require of you? Does it require forgiveness? Does it require <laughs> to love your neighbor? Does it require to love the negative person sitting beside you or at work or at school? Do we really want to do this, Brian? I can feel you're exhausted already. Do I really have to love people? Because I can't stand them. I get it. I understand it. I'm not telling you I'm doing it well. I'm just telling you the way it is. If we love like this, we want to change the world. That's what we say all the time. Don't you want to change the world? Don't you want to grow up and change the world? Yeah. This is how you're going to do it. The greatest job in the world is not going to do it, but love will. That's how powerful it is. I'm going to tell you a story about uh, Corey Tim Boom. Anybody heard of her? Corey Tim Boom. It's, it's so sad that you have not heard of her. It's sad. It's been a long time ago, but she was a survivor in the concentration camp in the Holocaust in World War II. Her whole family was killed. They used to hide, they would hide Jews in their house to try to save them, and they were, uh, Germans found out and took them to the camp. 
that killed all her family but her and her sister. And she survived and got out, and then she would travel the country. Listen to this. She would travel the country and tell people how to forgive and how to love. How do you love somebody that's hurt you that bad? How do you do that? And she said, and she's doing these meetings all across the country. She says, I was doing a meeting, and she said, they walked in the door. The person I hated the most walked in the door. It was a German soldier that was her guard in the prison. He came to her meeting. She said, I struggled for a moment. I've been teaching about forgiveness and love for so long, I forgot what it really meant. (laughs) And she said, I had to just say, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to walk to him. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to tell him I forgive him. And that's what she did. She walked to him. They held hands. She says, I forgive you. He said, forgive me. And she said, they hugged. Just had an embrace for the longest time. And she said, I have never in my life experienced the love of God like I did in that moment. Because the love of God's forgiveness, the love of God is so powerful. It can break anything, any stronghold, any hurt, any hard hearts you may have today listening or in here where you just, God's speaking to you and you have hurt, God can break it. I thought it was so amazing that she shared that story. She even wrote this. She said, there is no pit so deep (laughs) that God's love is not deeper still And God will give us the love to be able to forgive our enemies. Man, that's powerful. So I asked you today, ask this question. When unsure of what to say or do, ask what love requires of you today. I'll give you a couple things how you can apply that in your life, okay? As you leave today, Paul gives us some very practical ways to apply love and apply this question to your life. Some of you that know Christ, you already have this in you, okay? When you go out in the parking lot and you want to be mad, the Holy Spirit's going to say, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, mm-mm, you need to be kind. When somebody pulls in front of you, oh, goodness, wave at them with a smile. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, boy, that's a hard one. That's a hard one right there. When somebody does me wrong, what do we want to do? You do my family wrong? You hurt my, okay. You're going to need God. That's what happens. He goes on to say, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. I want you to listen. Take a moment to listen to what I'm saying, okay? Don't just, it's not just another scripture. This is, this is a big deal. Listen to this. Love is patient, Love is kind. Love is not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. A lot of us are too proud or too proud, too prideful to change our lives, to love. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. My goodness, Paul, leave me alone. Can I not be mad at least one time? 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And read this with me. Love never fails. Out of everything we talked about, if you get nothing else, I want you to get that. that Love has the power to change our world and to change your heart and to change your life. We want to see a different world. This is what it's going to take. So I ask this question, what does love require of me? I've had to ask this question, and I had to ask it a very personal way a few years ago. Kyle, if you want to bring the stool out, if you guys want to come up. I want to share with you a very personal story. Um, I hope you don't mind. I really do. Hope you won't judge me too hard. Promise? Be kind. Well, it's not by accident I'm teaching this message, I don't think. I think for me, I've had to learn the hard way like some of you are learning. And I still, every day, have to learn to understand that The love of God is the most powerful thing in this universe. For me, a few years ago, take you back there, 2015, I had a moment in my life. Now, some of you might not know, but I've been in ministry for a long time. I don't mean anything. (laughs) I've seen a lot of things, and felt a lot of things. 2015, I'm sitting in my office on, at the hill up there, and it wasn't a good day. It wasn't a good day. Things were happening financially. We just weren't going to make it. There was nothing really we could do about it. And I'm like, you know, God, I've done this for you for 15 years or 20 years or whatever and this is the way it's going to be okay I I love people at church they leave me I make friends they leave me my family gets hurt people talk about me they talk about Eddie they talk about the church we're not doing this, that, or whatever, right? I'll be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be pretty transparent with you that I, I's done. If you can say it that way. I was pretty mad, and I said, God, you know, <laughs> I'm done with you. I'm done with you. I am done with this. I'm not going to say what I said. But I said something to the effect, you can take it. (laughs) Because I don't want nothing to do with it anymore. If this is what your church is about, if this is what God is all about, then you can have it, God, because I don't need it. I'll go get me a real job. (laughs) I'll go back to Ingalls. Man, I was so stubborn and bitter. You been there? 
Some of you, you probably, I'm sorry, it's, it's kind of hard for me to share because it's such a dark place. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that I'm sitting here today. I really am. But, I, but I'm throwing my fist up at God. I said, God, you can have this church. You can have those people. I don't like any of them anymore. Sorry, don't judge me. I'm not talking about you, okay? And I was that way for a while. I was. I played the game, and I went through the motions, and I played church, and I would preach, and it was hard for me to preach because I didn't really want to preach, and I didn't really want to love, and I didn't really... I don't know, it just, it, it, it really was hard and I guess you got to get to that point in your life (laughs) where all you have is God (laughs) there's nothing you can do you can't change it you can't fix it you can't put a plan together or a budget You, you just can't fix it without God and that's where I got I look back on it now, and I think that's exactly where God wanted me. But there was one Sunday, never forget it, about to walk out to preach. And it's like, all of a sudden, you know, you come to your senses for just a moment, and God's like, have you forgotten what I've called you to do? Okay, what, what is it, God? What do you want me to do? I want you to show them the love of Jesus. He said, because Brian, if you quit today, if you give up today, if you make the biggest regret of your life happen today, many people will miss out. On hearing about me and my love. He said, I need you to get over yourself. I need you to show them how much I love them. Because thousands of people need to hear the word of God. They need to hear that Christ loves them. They need to hear the unconditional love that he has for you, has for me, even though I don't have it all together. And so from that moment on until today, I'm not saying I've made it. I'm not saying... I'm perfect. I still have a problem loving some of you. But I know one thing. Love will change you. Love will liberate you. I was able to forgive people I never thought I ever would forgive. And I share this all the time. If you learn to love, you'll be free. If you want to know freedom, learn to love. It's the greatest thing ever when I can love my enemy. And I've learned that. And the greatest enemy was myself sometimes. That's what I'm telling you today. Maybe some of you in this room are watching online. You're on the edge of your seat of making the worst decision you could possibly make. On that that regret of maybe leaving your home or I don't know what relationship you're dealing with. 
But there's one thing I know you cannot say no to today. And that's the love of Jesus. And he wants more than anything for you to know that this morning. If you don't know Jesus today, you're missing out on the most amazing thing. Yeah, it's not perfect. Your life won't be perfect. But the love of Jesus sure does help. It goes a long way of changing your life. Well, I'm sorry. I went a little long. This is stand together. If you would, close your eyes. Forgive me for being a little long today. I, I'm so passionate about that. It just kind of just comes out. And I mean it when I say God will change your life if you let him. He will take you from the darkest pit If you bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I know, I know somebody in here or watching online or listening to this later. They need you so bad. I pray now that you would just begin to reach out your hand. Show them your love wherever they are. Speak to their heart. Embrace them with your love today. Wherever they may be, God, help them find that love that will free them, that love that will bring forgiveness and bring hope. Now, maybe you're here today or you're watching online. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, don't miss this opportunity it's the greatest decision you ever make. I promise you. It is. It'll change your life forever. There's nothing like Jesus in your life. So if you'd like to accept Christ today, I'm going to give you a chance to do that online or in this room. I'm just going to say a prayer. And all you have to do is just pray it with me. It's that simple. And the love of God will change you, make you new. If you'd like to accept Christ, I just want you to pray this with me. Say, Father, I am a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I pray that you would come into my heart and save me. Make me a new person. I believe that you died for me and you rose again and you took away my sins. Thank you so much. For loving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message and made a decision to follow Jesus, be sure to let us know by connecting with us online at marathonchurch.org. If you haven't already, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience more messages, videos, and live gatherings, visit us at marathonchurch.org or download the Marathon Church app. Thanks for listening to the Marathon Church Podcast.